Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, up there in playoff country. Oak Ridge is owned. Stats by Will. Will, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I wish I had like a, a bit or something to deliver this week, but I'm just doing good. No bit. Uh, I, I, like a little joke. Though I did go and vote today, but it was at a senior center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I didn't get a picture of it because there were too many people headed in front of and behind me in line. But somebody painted uh, like a set of like 10 old guys at a Hardee's. Which it, and it was called Hardy's Second Shift, which is honestly just a beautiful thing to see. <laughs> what? I know. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I, I will have to find a way to go back to, to the senior center, which I have no reason to go back to and uh, get that. Get that well, picture. I'm a senior in grad school, so I can go. Um, that's so the, it's just a Hardy's like in 10 elderly people in the Hardy's eating and they just and painted it's, it's that in the senior canvas. center. Huge canvas that was painted of what I presume is like a picture somebody took on their mm. phone. So the all-time best canvas in Knoxville for the good folks who want to go <laughs> check out uh, Sports U. Um, the Dolly Parton mural in uh, mm-hmm. in downtown Knox is objectively one of the funniest things you'll ever see. Like just doing <laughs> Dolly wrong. Like it's an uh, apologies to the painter, but uh, I don't know. Have you not seen it, Will, over there in Gay Street? It's not coming to my mind. Is it between? Um... Between like the, the alleyway or yes, is it okay, okay, that's why I haven't seen it. I usually go back there, but you should I go back there. It it, it's it's so bad. It she looks like a totally different person. It it just it's so bad. So apologies to the person who uh, did that canvas, but um, quite bad. Um, something I can't do though. I would do it quite bad as well. I'm not a canvas guy. I wonder how long that took. Like, how long did it take to do a canvas uh, type portrait at this? Uh, senior center like i wonder how much time was spent and i also wonder what's the process like where they're like what do you want to do and they're like well, you know what hardy's is pretty big time uh over here and we want to bring <laughs> hardy's to the senior center well the, they the ask for angus the, beef all the time the the image so unless i missed it which uh, obviously possible um the painter's name is not listed but the mm. the nine or ten men in the picture are and it helpfully says from left to right on the, on the little plaque and so you can probably just get in touch with the, the guys. I would love to see them. They're still going to that Hardee's. There you go. I don't think I've ever actually been in a Hardee's. Have you? Really? Yeah. I don't think you're, I've ever been in a Hardee's. No, I've been in one like hundreds of times. Really? Because my, my grandparents loved uh, the Hardee's breakfast. Mm, which was what? What are they getting? Was uh, it the Angus they, beef? Was it the really heavy red meat stuff? Oh, no. My grandmother loves like hotcakes anywhere. Okay. And then my grandfather was always a chicken biscuit guy. And I can't go wrong with the chicken biscuit. Chicken biscuit and a large coffee. Okay. Can't go wrong there. Um, Yeah, no, I don't think Hardee's was just not a thing in Atlanta, really. Like, I never really, Mm. um, I don't know. It blew my mind that there were Shoney's here. Like, I hadn't seen a Shoney since I was like three Uh, years old. And then I see like them everywhere in Knoxville. That was like a huge culture shock for me um and just how packed shonies are all the time two things about knoxville tennessee that are completely different than uh atlanta georgia one shonies everywhere two malls are still bumping like the mall scene in knoxville tennessee you would think it's 1996 sir um it's wild it's always packed people people love driving down from like an hour and a half away to go to west town mall why though 
it's it's something we're still trying to figure out. We have the CAA on it. Uh, we've got a lot of people looking into this. Oh my goodness, I can't do it. I mean, I worked in a mall uh, way back in the day in high school and early college. But goodness gracious, I uh, no. I will say the mall food court at one point in time was a wonderful place. It was especially after man. on like a Sunday afternoon. They had this uh, they had this uh, Asian buffet, and mm. it's not the one with the guy that like comes up to you and hands out the samples. It was on the other side. Okay, um, but you could like they would give you a box and you could put whatever you wanted in the box for seven ninety nine, mm. and when I tell you I probably had three meals worth of food in that box and it was like it was a styrofoam box it was like busting at the top and I had like jammed my fork in through the top and it was probably honestly like three thousand calories worth of stuff in there mm. uh, but it was seven ninety nine and so you got more than what you paid for but it was it is uh, closed now. Mm. I like it. Uh, Will Warren, uh, college basketball before or after the next time or yeah, wait, hold on. How do I phrase this? Before we record again, college basketball will have already happened. There will mm -hmm. be games to actually talk about. Um, your newsletter is out. You've got uh, all kinds of great content streaming out, um, getting folks ready for who are we playing? Tennessee Tech. Is that who it yes. is? Um, Tennessee, at least by Ken Palm, is uh, a mild 34 point favorite. So not really worried about that one as of yet uh, i would say but um we'll get into that and how we feel about the balls uh upcoming uh college basketball season but i want to start will um with something different uh we have to talk about your this is the last for this season wrong coach wrong team this offseason and you're gonna you're gonna love this one will you're gonna love this as a michigan tennessee man you are going to love who I have for, are we sure he's the right coach? Are we sure? Are we sure? <laughs> and I look, don't hold back. Chris Holtman, head coach of the Ohio state Buckeyes. At this point in time, is he now, have we seen enough body of work that he is the wrong coach at the wrong time for Ohio state? He's a really interesting one. This is one where I'm not sure what the consensus is on him. So like national media and analytics guys generally like him. I don't think like anybody's in love with him, but they like Holtman. Mm. Uh, and then at least from like the people I follow in the uh, deep dark web forums I've gone into, the mm. average Ohio State fan hates him and wants him gone as soon as possible. So I'm not really sure what to think. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder if there's like damage done by how far above expectation he came in the first season where they were mm. like, I think they were picked like 12th in the big 10 or something like that. Mm. And they were a top 10 team. Like they were crazy good that first year. And like ever since then, he's been good. I think they haven't really had a bad season off the top of my head. Like last year was disappointing, but it was still like they made the round of 32. Mm. Um, but, you know, you have like the lost at 15 seed. They haven't really made the most of their rosters, I would say. And their defense has consistently been pretty bad. Mm. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was the reason why Oral Roberts beat them in the tournament. It was the reason why they couldn't get stops against Villanova down the stretch last season. Uh, and it's not like the offensive talent hasn't been there. You know, they had a first round pick this past season. They had EJ Liddell, who was really good two years in a row. But I mean, they, they force tough twos, but they don't really do much of anything else good defensively. Mm. They don't force turnovers. They don't protect the boards well, and they're about average in avoiding fouls. So you can like basically opponents miss the shots, but they get a lot of shots off, which is not really what you want defensively. 
You want it to be one shot and done, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's going to change unless you get better athletes, which is another thing. So like the one thing I would say that kind of comes to mind about the Fadmata era is like pretty much every year you had at least one five-star freshman on the roster and normally multiple. Like you think of D'Angelo Russell, Greg Oden, Jared Sollinger, all those guys. Mm. Um, it hasn't really happened with Holtman. Like there hasn't really been much recruiting prowess, which is weird given that it's Ohio State and really it's not hard to recruit there. Mm -hmm. uh, they rank sixth in the conference in terms of uh, average recruiting stars, mm -hmm. which is like, I mean, frankly, given who they are, they should be no lower than top three. Uh, that is, it's kind of like the Dan Mullen thing, right? Where mm -hmm. you kind of like, you know, oh, recruiting doesn't matter. It's about how much we can coach up the guys. And given the guys he's had on his roster, I think Holtman's done a good job of coaching up the guys. But again, we kind of come back to like Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's. Like talent correlates to wins very strongly. Mm -hmm. And for him to be able to get back to get back to like what Ohio State fans think they should be, which is, you know, top 15 basically every year, mm -hmm. you've got to recruit. And I need to see more of that from Holtman. I need to see better defensive work. And I think offensively they got something good going. But this is a good coach. I think he's reasonably the right coach for them. But he could stand to improve defensive philosophy and recruiting philosophy because neither seems to be working very well. It is kind of funny, though, that Thad Matt is now back at Butler, uh, the man he replaced and where Holtman came from at Butler. They've just flipped jobs. Um, and now <laughs> there's going to be even more pressure, I think, on Holtman because if Butler is back and Thad Matt revitalizes that program based on where they've been, I think uh, that only makes uh, the hot seat for Holtman that much worse. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, he could be fired by next year if he doesn't, like, get things rolling and Thad Matta gets it rolling. So I, I will say I was shocked to see Matta is only 55 years old. I would have guessed 10 mm. years older. But it was because I, I guess he was so young when he took when he over at Ohio job. State. He would have mm -hmm. been uh, 37 when he was hired. But I don't remember him being that young. So, I mean, he, he could still reasonably have a second act if Holtman doesn't work out. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see. I mean, I think part of it too, with, uh, Thad Matta and the difference there, um, that I think is interesting is that Thad, like Ohio state fans who are just kind of annoyed at the Holtman era where it's like, it's fine. It's because mm -hmm. kind of like Tennessee fans, they just kind of look at it and they're like, we know we can be better. We've mm -hmm. seen it. Literally the last administration was significantly better where he had, uh, five, first place finishes in the big 10 um that's a lot um yeah. he had a lot of single digit uh loss like he you go through it i mean sweet 16 sweet 16 final four elite eight round of 32 i mean it got uh dicey at the end obviously but he had those early and you talk about the year one bump that he did at ohio state but by and large he had that program as one of uh college basketball's best for a, about a decade um and holtman has never felt like Ohio State's been the best in the Big Ten, like ever since he's been there. And I think that's part of the problem is that like you're not even having the blips where you can live with the fifth place, fourth place Big Ten finishes if he had at least a couple first place special season type seasons. And like you said, talent is a big part of that. And he's not recruiting anywhere near. There's no Greg Odins uh, on uh, Chris Holtman's recruiting trail. So I don't know. And it's also kind of surprising. He grew up a Kentucky guy. Uh, he's from Lexington. Um, I, I'm surprised he's not, um, he's not more of a, 
a big time recruiter uh, at Ohio State. It's kind of strange. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it, and it is like funny. His So his best recruit, and so Bart Torvik's database only goes back to 2008. Mm-hmm. But Holtman's best recruit so far, uh, which was DJ Carton, mm-hmm. uh, would rank as Thad Mata's eighth. So that kind of sums it up for you right there. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. What is your gut telling you? Uh, do you think this is Holtman's last year at Ohio State? Not last. I, I think it's at least another before he's on like a serious hot seat. Like it's really okay. hard to fire a guy who, and including COVID, he would have made it that year. Really hard to fire a guy who would be five for five in NCAA tournaments, and as in his four for four. I mean, if but the thing is, like he still hasn't made the Sweet Sixteen. If they yeah. can ever, if they can make the Sweet Sixteen, whether it's this year or next, I think he's fine. But you know, eventually you got to produce. And it's and it's not like I really like this roster, mm. frankly, but it's the same as we've said for like seven other Big Ten teams. Your opportunity is this year. Like mm-hmm. this is the worst the top of the conference has been in a minute. So if you just get hot at the right time, this could be your title chance. Um, your favorite conversation, Will, uh, is realignment. Many people uh, forget that that's one of Stats by Will's favorite uh, talking points. Uh, and he, he, you know what Will loves? Will the perfect college sports show for Will is a sports show with a lot of ads and a lot of discussion about realignment. That's so when you pivot off an ad, you just bring up realignment. Uh, I think that's the perfect one-two punch for a fun afternoon for Will. But Gonzaga and the Big Twelve looks like that's a distinct possibility. Um, they met with the Big Twelve. Uh, Commissioner Brett Yormark, who obviously came from the Nets and has a strong basketball background. Big 12's hired multiple Detroit Pistons front office folks. It's very clear that for the Big 12 um, and part of this new Fox and ESPN deal they just signed got ahead of the Pac-12 is that like they knew that they were not going to catch the SEC and Big 10 in football. So what they're saying instead is like, we're just going to create the ultimate basketball conference and we're going to look far and wide and we're going to see uh who we can pull could we really pull gonzaga out of here just for basketball and now i'm wondering like do they go big fish hunting do they just try and get uh, notre dame out of the acc do they try and bring san diego state into the fold for basketball um there's a lot of interesting possibilities here but i think this is a signal that they're going big game hunting and look gonzaga the wcc has gotten a lot better in recent years it's not a bad conference but it's better for college basketball this is one of the rare realignment ones where i'm like oh yeah like we get kansas gonzaga in the regular season and gonzaga texas gonzaga like no that's the the wins though it's such a risk for gonzaga because you're not going 34 and 2 like i I, i'm so curious to see what that would look like if they have to deal with potentially the best college basketball conference and what that schedule is like i don't think they're recruiting or they fall off a cliff with mark few but i do think it makes it far more interesting um going forward for what they look like and if they're a perennial top four uh Kim Palm team uh in this conference and who they're competing against and recruiting against. I I don't know. What do you make of Gonzaga potentially making the jump to the Big 12? Well uh, well I hate it because I hate all conference realignment. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's an arguably amazing for them if it does happen. Both really both parties. Mm-hmm. Uh so the Big 12 would have at least by Torvik's numbers, five of the six best programs from the last four years, mm-hmm. which is hilarious because Houston's coming over. It's yes. like Kansas, Baylor, TTU, Houston, and then Gonzaga. Like that's, I mean, 
you're not going to build a better basketball conference than that. And then There's eventually no Memphis. I think Memphis finds their way in eventually. Uh, well, yeah, sure. They can have their little FedEx for him and, uh, you know, lose at home to Baylor. Uh, anyway, um, no, I think it, it makes sense, right? Because it's like you can be the big fish in a small pond and the WCC has gotten better, but it's still a small pond. Mm-hmm. Or you can take your money and move to the Big 12 where, I mean, what's happening is not really that dissimilar from what happens in non-revenue sports where so like Tennessee participates in the big 12 for women's rowing Mm. or like you'll see teams participate in like conference USA for men's and women's soccer. Uh, Like those sports, like you can sort of just bounce around and sort of have your team wherever, Mm. uh, just wherever it makes the most sense. And so this could be a thing really, you know, Gonzaga could move to the big 12 for basketball, both men's and women's, but they could stay in the WCC for their other sports like baseball. Like it wouldn't be a shocker. So I I wonder if that's kind of the direction we're going in general is like it becomes like some conferences become focused on, okay, we're going to draw like UCLA and USC for football, but the Mm -hmm. Big 12 becomes focused on like, okay, we're going to get Gonzaga, BYU, and San Diego State for basketball. But those teams, if they so choose, can leave some of their programs in their previous conference if that conference agrees to it. I, I don't think that's that outlandish to picture. I think that the fact that it's out there tells me this is going to happen. Like once it gets out there publicly, that kind of tells me that they're inching closer and closer to this being a, it just becomes like a media rights, uh, Mm -hmm. um, negotiation at that point. Absolutely. Um, will your three biggest new season hot takes what are they will i'm settled in i'm ready to go okay this is your bread and butter right here yeah it really is number one and i think this is the hottest one on the list mm-hmm. texas tech misses the ncaa tournament Oof. make the case how does this happen so this is not one i actually like speaking out loud because i've gone very hard for mark adams on the show and for the texas mm-hmm. tech experience in general like honestly I think the number one home court environment in college basketball, just awesome Mm. to watch their games. Love it. The problem is that they've got a really tough road ahead of them. It was an already thin roster. So like Kevin McCullough transfers out, Mm. you have like a bunch of transfers out in general. Like it was weird to see multiple Texas tech starters from the sweet 16 could have been a lead 18 leave just like for other schools. Like Kevin McCullough went to Kansas. That's Mm. within your own conference. You know, you don't get Tyrese, Hunter, you don't get Tyreek Key. They were battling with Tennessee for him. Tennessee was always going to win that, but it's still tough, you know, especially after we saw what Key did in the Gonzaga exhibition. And so now you already have like a pretty thin roster. And then Fardos AMAC is now out until February. And if you get to February and you haven't played yet, it really does. And he may still play, but it becomes a legitimate question of if you play at all that season. Mm -hmm. And so secondly, pull up their roster and I want you to tell me who's going to score points, which is a critical part of winning basketball games. Mm-hmm. So here's the roster I have. And these are the guys that I'm, I'm going to list the full list. And AMAC is excluded because he's not going to play for three months. Mm. These are the list of guys that I am confident in scoring the basketball with any consistency whatsoever. Kevin O'Banner, Davion Hart. That's the gonna, list. I, two I, players. I, Kevin O'Banner is like the only one I'm like dead certain is yeah. going to score. So it's one to two players, right? Mm. And both seniors, and that's good. And mm-hmm. Elijah Fisher could be something. You know, the other two freshmen could be something. People keep hyping up Daniel 
uh, Bacho, Bacho, whatever it is. Mm. I got to see it to believe it. Um, but that's a really deeply thin uh, offensive roster to go into the season, especially when you're like pretty consistently talked about as a low-end top 25 team. Mm-hmm. I can only name those two guys as guys that I am fully confident are above average Big 12 starters. Mm-hmm. Banner is like all Big 12 potential, same for Harmon. Like Fisher could get there, but I don't know. And so it's like, it's two guys I like. Four other players I think are like fine. Mm-hmm. And then the rest are just huge question marks. And it's, I mean, on paper, I, I can't say that they've got more than those two guys that I really like. So Oof. it's going to be a deal where we get to February and Amex going to have been out for a long time. And I'm not convinced that they're going to be any good offensively at all. I think defensively, they're going to more or less be Texas Tech. But you have to be able to score. And in a Big 12 that is, frankly, the best conference in college basketball and is going to be more of a meat grinder maybe than ever before, they could fall behind real fast. Man. Okay. I like it. How are the next two going to top this? Well, uh, the second one, I am, it's more like a speaking into existence thing because I like the way they play. Mm. But here you go. Number two, Iowa wins the Big Ten. Oh, wow. You just want to speak this into existence. This is what's happening here. You just want Iowa's brand of basketball and Iowa to do this. Okay. Well, first off, I love watching Iowa play. Mm -hmm. Most exciting team to watch in the Big Ten by far every single year. Even though you know that March is just like a month of misery for them, Mm -hmm. it's always going to be entertaining. They're always going to score points. They're always going to give up points. No game is ever out of question with them. Mm -hmm. So on paper, that makes you look at this and say, wow, that's a crappy pick. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, their top six is, to me, better and more proven than any other Big Ten team's top six. Chris Murray, I think, could lead the conference in scoring. Patrick McCaffrey, I know he's a McCaffrey son, but he is an actually very good basketball player. Mm-hmm. Philip Rocca, great center. Tony Perkins, very good. Connor McCaffrey, very good. Peyton Sanford, I like a lot. They've got a bunch of dudes on this team that can just go out and get you buckets. And do I think that they're going to be able to stop many teams? Probably not. But again, as we've mentioned before, really weak top of the Big Ten. And we've kind of settled into this expectation with Iowa every year where Fran has a baseline now of every year they're going to be a top 25 team. Mm-hmm. It shocked me, honestly, that they weren't in the AP top 25 and that they don't seem to be getting much buzz. Um, Kempom has them 23rd, which, you know, admittedly not great, That's but it's still like second in the conference. The only team ahead of them is Indiana, And I'm still in the mood of like, I actually do like this Indiana roster and think they're one of the 20 best teams. Mm. But I think that they might be getting a little bit of outsized buzz from closing last year strong. It's like a, it's like the diet version of like the North Carolina UCLA thing Mm. where they're not really that good for three months and then they got hot at the right time. I don't know, man. I just, I believe in Iowa. I believe that they're going to be able to, you know, make the runs necessary They've got a you know somewhat favorable schedule. There's no like truly favorable schedule in the Big Ten because of how many games you have to play. Mm-hmm. But theirs is less spicy than most. Uh, and it's honestly less tough than Indiana's. I, I don't know. I, I, I like them a lot. I trust Fran. I don't trust Fran after the regular season ends, but I trust him from November to like March 2nd. Hmm. Okay. And I like that take one. Number three. This mm-hmm. one, this one is like maybe not a hot take to some, but I think it's a hot take historically. Mm -hmm. Both the Conference USA and the Atlantic 10 
get more teams in the big dance than the Mountain West. I do not like this Mountain West at all. I think it kind of stinks. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Mountain West be a one-bid league, and that one-bid being San Diego State. Wyoming could get in. Utah mm-hmm. State could get in. I don't think both do. I think it's like a one-or-the-other deal. The Conference USA, both UAB and North Texas, I believe, are going to get in the field. North hmm. Texas, uh, I think, is an underrated side. They could very well be top 50 at years end. We've talked about UAB and Andy Kennedy extensively on the show. We really like what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also the best A-10 in a while. Dayton and St. Louis feel very strongly both are going to be in the tournament. And then Loyola Chicago. I know they transfer from the MVC to the A-10 this year, but I really like Drew Valentine, really trust in him as a coach. They're going to be better than expected. The wild card there, and one that is near and dear to some of our listeners' hearts, is George Mason. Mm. They seem to be very underrated based on their roster. I mean, they might have the best player in the Atlantic 10. They have five of the, like, they have five of what I would say are the 15 to 20 best players in the Atlantic 10 in their starting lineup. Mm. Victor Bailey is going to be really good for them. He showed out so far in preseason. Devontae Gaines is very reliable. Josh Oduro, if you haven't watched that guy play, watch a George Mason game. In fact, watch George Mason's first game on November 7th when they play Auburn. Mm-hmm. they're going to have a tough time stopping him inside because he is a legit high major player. Mm-hmm. So, and it just goes back to, I like those two conferences and trust them more than I do the MWC this year. And mm. I, I don't know. It's going to be weird considering the Mountain West just got four teams in the field, but I, I would be frankly shocked if they even got to, if they got more than two this year and they may not get to two. Oof, I like it. I that'd be cool though if like a uh, future Tennessee Volunteers head coach Kim English, um, if there was like a instead of anyone, I guess East Carolina now complicates it, um, with uh, our tree growing to that side of things. But if like Brand uh, BHH goes to George Mason, where they have the conversation, like Barnes and English have an agreement. It's like the ones who just don't fizzle out are not going to play. Tennessee, you go to George Mason for a couple of years, and then you can come back uh, for your last year of eligibility when you figured it out at George Mason and vice versa. We just have this agreement within the transfer portal is like, you come to Tennessee, you transfer to George Mason, and uh, if you come to George Mason and you show out for us for a year, then we'll put you to uh, put you to uh, Tennessee for Barnes. That, that, there should be some <laughs> kind of AAA and uh, Major League Baseball situation there. Little pipeline development. Yeah, I like it. Um Will, those were good. That was fun. I like that. Um, the Come most back every season for my hot takes. I think I've got some good ones here. You do, and you deliver them great because I like I've told uh, folks, I've told my wife this, where I'm like, Will is probably the best person you ever want to be giving out bad news or saying something <laughs> right because it comes out so nice. It doesn't matter. It just comes out very friendly. Um, most interesting game on the Baylor Bears schedule for you this year is what? Well. Uh, I've got two. Uh, One of them is, uh, they're both pretty obvious, but the first of these, uh, December 2nd, Baylor plays Gonzaga in a neutral Mm -hmm. site in South Dakota. Why is it in South Dakota? I couldn't tell you. But Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, these are my top two teams in my personal poll. Like I think they're the two most well-rounded, the two most interesting. I cannot wait for this game. That's going to tell us a lot about both. I think, you Mm -hmm. know, Based on the exhibition we both watched, Gonzaga's defense has a ways to go. And Scott Drew, I mean, like he gets a lot of credit as a defensive coach, but he's very, very good offensively with his sets. And with 
you know, arranging his personnel to best fit what he wants to do. Uh, I'm really excited to see what they do there. And then February 18th, this is the game that I think probably decides the Big 12 regular season champion, mm. uh, Baylor at Kansas. If mm. Baylor beats Kansas on the road, like they're going to be at one seed. That's simple as that. I, I don't think there's going to be like any question about it. And I've kind of got on record as like, I'm a little down on this year's Kansas group because I don't know who's going to be the scorers. But it's not like Alan, it's not like that place is ever easy to play at. And, you know, uh, I, I think there's some other games littered in there throughout, but that Kansas game is going to be the one where it's so late in the season and it's the last big road test for Baylor before the hmm. Big 12 tournament that I think that's going to be, that's going to have like an outsized hand in determining some things with the Big 12 seeding. I like it. Uh, is Baylor your pick as we get this new season started? Do you think they ultimately win the Big 12? Again? Yes, I'm taking Baylor. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Kansas. And, you know, one that's kind of like, I'm a little mad at our brother, Kenneth Pomeroy, for putting mm-hmm. them second because I was ready to be like, oh, I'm the guy who's high on Texas. But I think Texas is going to be improved this year. Um, less transfers, less things changing around. Second year for Chris Beard. I uh, don't know if you remember his second year at Texas Tech, but it was pretty freaking good. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Texas, you know, live up to the hype this year and be a real top five team. Yeah, Kim Paul number two, right? Coming mm-hmm. into this year. So we'll see uh, if this is Chris Beard's year for his horns. Um, This is going to be fun. Hate watch. Well, who are your teams or team that you are going to hate watch the most this season? So the, the premise of this question is like, I, I don't want to watch them, but I will because of how ridiculous it gets. Yes. Okay. Where well, you're tweeting uh, about it at 1030 on a th- Tuesday where you're like, <laughs> y'all would not believe what I'm watching right now. This is insanity. Uh, number one on this list, with a bullet, Arizona State. Oh. I, hate, I hate watching these guys. Uh, I can't stand it. Every year, Bobby Hurley gets like some heralded recruit in there or like an exciting transfer or something and does jack squat with them. They mm-hmm. come out of there worse than when they entered. Uh, shout out to, by the way, shout out to Remy Martin for leaving Arizona and immediately winning a national title. Like who could have guessed? Mm. Um, shout out to, uh, what? Is, how do you say it? Lugens, Lugens, Dort? Oh, Dort, Lou Dort? Yeah, Lou Dort. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Uh, shout out to him for being like very mid at Arizona State and then like earning a $55 million contract immediately in the NBA. He's been wild, he's what, huge. It's just what Bobby Hurley does. It's just what he does. He's not good. He stinks. Needs to go. Uh, Apologies if you ever want to come on the show, Bobby. I'm happy to talk to you. But (laughs) I think um, that might be a solo show for me on that one. uh, Yeah. Uh, uh, But I am actually really interested to see what they do this year because on paper, their roster is pretty talented. Mm -hmm. And it's like a low-end NCAA tournament-level roster. But again, it's the Bobby Hurley factor. I'm really – I mean, there's several games in their schedule where I will be hooked in – where I will be like going to the, uh, the the Reddit like college basketball streams, figuring out how you can possibly look up the Pac-12 network these days mm. and watching them play like Washington State as they desperately try to stay in the bubble. That's a team I'm. That's well, that'll be all team. available on like Amazon or Apple soon. I my guess okay, is yeah. that Pac-12 eventually ends up on all streaming. I think they're the first like straight streaming only uh conference uh, they kind of have to don't they well they just got left behind in big 12 like gobbling up those remaining i don't know that's what i yeah. i'm gonna guess that's how it ends up for the pac-12 all right so some more hate watches uh <laughs> memphis memphis goes without saying i think mm-hmm. it's like 
I, I do think Penny did a really good job down the stretch last year. Great job getting the guys together. Uh, you know, really threatened Gonzaga in that round of 32 game. Mm-hmm. But I, I was kind of tipped off to this by, I didn't watch it, but I read, you know, the box score, read some recaps of them playing at Christian Brothers University in their exhibition mm-hmm. game. So CBU, it's not the high school in Memphis. There is a university in Memphis called Christian Brothers. Very average D2 team. Memphis beat them by nine. And in the post game, Penny said, we haven't installed any offensive plays or sets yet. And my brother, what were you doing with the entire offseason? You had, it's like the, I think you should leave thing. You had all summer to figure this out, bro. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? <laughs> so I have a feeling that the first month or two of the season, I'm going to be turning into a Memphis game. I'm, I'm pulling up the schedule. I'm going to tell you the exact, oh, whoo. November mm. 15th, Memphis at St. Louis. Uh, when that game is like St. Louis 55, Memphis 39 with 10 minutes to go, and Memphis hasn't made a shot in six minutes, I will mm-hmm. be uh, hitting the tweet button on that. Ooh. Uh, because it's just like, Penny, I, I do actually want him to succeed because it would be very cool for Memphis as a city. Mm-hmm. But you got to try. <laughs> you got to do your job. Um, next on this list, Northwestern. This goes for all sports at Northwestern. I don't really enjoy watching anything they do. Mm-hmm. But there's with, with Chris Collins in particular, there's a game or two every year where they play like, it always seems like it's Ohio State for some reason, but it can also be Michigan or somebody like that, where they are in contention with a legitimate good team until the very end. Mm. And somebody on their team has this ridiculous like 17-foot running floater that bounces off the rim three times and goes in. And it's like, oh, God, they're tied with number 16. And then they just lose on the final shot. Chris Collins loves losing games that uh, he could win. He just mm-hmm. like it, it's like the Trump video. It's like turn off those lights; they're too bright. That's <laughs> Chris Collins. Um, uh, early contender for this: a road game against Michigan State in December. Mm. Oh, that's that's for sure one where they're like within two points in the final minute, and then somehow lose by twelve. Uh, I look forward to their late game execution a lot. It's always really, really comedic. Mm-hmm. But the th- the problem with singling out Northwestern is that I also have in this list half of the Big Ten teams. Mm. Uh, the Big Ten, um, I think I said a month ago that I don't think they get more than six in the field of 68. And I'm kind of standing by that. But it's like, I, I want to, <laughs> I'm going to read you the list of teams that I don't enjoy watching this conference. But I will inevitably watch many games of because I'm mm. a sicko. Yes. Uh, Maryland. Maryland's not going to be bad to watch. I actually think Kevin. We don't know yet with Kevin Miller. We'll see. Like okay, so cross them off the list. So Mm -hmm. seven teams, Rutgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cable subscribers they have their own identity, and it is like a workable identity. But they love winning games like fifty-two to Mm fifty. Wisconsin, no interest. Don't want to see them. Ohio State, we discussed. Uh, You got to recruit. Um, Penn State, just kind of too early, year two. They weren't really interesting last year either. They didn't really do much that stood off the page. Uh, and it's like, I'm not going to fault their coach for that. It was his first year, and he was really recovering after, you know, like a surprise firing. Yeah, um, but also, it's Penn State. And there was like a lot of uh, – I love the po- – like when a college university, um, they – they hire a NBA guy. They're like, mm-hmm. look at what this is going to do for recruiting. Like he's the ultimate bringing in like Stackhouse had the same buzz where you bring in the, the NBA guy and you're like, this is, this is huge. He's going to like, this is how we jumpstart the recruiting and we fix this. 
here in Happy Valley. And it's like, well, there might just be a reason that Penn State basketball is always terrible. Maybe it's just like something that you can hire all the NBA uh, connection types you want. It's still Patrick Ewing was a longtime NBA coach, um, associate head coach and a head coach in waiting. And it's just been a disaster at Georgetown. Like, I, uh, I, I don't know. I think Penn State, let, let's hold our breath on that one. I don't I don't know if he's going to turn the corner. Uh, that program. I think you have to be a special, special coach for some reason to win at Penn State. I don't know why they're always terrible, but it's just, I don't know. It shouldn't be that hard, right? But it is for some reason. It could just be an institutional support thing. Like, obviously, mm. all their money goes to football. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, like, so the rest of the Big Ten here. Um, mm. Nebraska, I don't think I need to go much further into that. Like, Northwestern's also not here, but, like, I don't know. I, I will actually hate watch Nebraska because... I want to figure out like when it is that the switch flips on Hoiberg. Like I know mm. they reworked his buyout, but I'm trying to figure out like the game and they may just wait till the end of the season bore us all. But like, what's the game where it's like they're down by 23 in the first half and the team is just disinterested because it's mm. coming. Uh, I, I will weird. say like, he's another one where I thought that has I not been a lot better than it's been. Yes. It just has not worked. Uh, they they lost a exhibition game to Colorado by double digits, and I'm not like very high on Colorado. I don't mm-hmm. think they're making the tournament, so it doesn't look rosy there. Um, Minnesota, Minnesota could be really bad, mm-hmm. um, but it's just like the same as last year. Every like even Nebraska had a couple of like interesting uh, flirtations with beating a good team, mm-hmm. like they almost beat Michigan on the road, nearly beat Rutgers. Uh, played really hard against both Ohio State and Michigan State. Like mm-hmm. one of these teams is going to do like something incomprehensible <laughs> to an actual like conference uh, title contender. So I don't know. Half of those Big Ten teams, man, it's just like don't need to see, but I will see. Man, um, Big Ten, it's going to be ugly. Like Big Ten's just going to be an ugly, ugly conference. I yeah. think from top to bottom this year, right? Like I uh, think it's just gonna be again, fun to watch. I, I bring up our uh, former orator in chief. It, 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 the, they may call me ugly. I'll still keep drinking that garbage. That's me <laughs> with the big ten. Um, Will, uh, mm-hmm. Tennessee playing on Tuesday. What are your expectations about this Tennessee team? Tom Izzo saying uh, nonchalantly that Tennessee feels like a Final Four team to him. For folks that may have forgotten, Tennessee scrimmaged uh, Michigan State not too long ago. They obviously beat the brakes off Gonzaga. Um, Terry Key looks like he's going to be a monster on the second unit and just what he's going to provide off the bench. Um, I don't know. I think uh, this can be fun. I think Julian Phillips is going to be a lot of fun as a defender this year. I'm I'm not expecting a whole lot uh, offensively from him based on what we've seen thus far. We'll see, but not not uh buying all the way in on that one i think zakai ziegler is gonna make the leap uh for this group i think we see a big jump for zakai um he just looks different and more confident and uh, i think the shot looks better i think he's gonna shoot better i think he's gonna get to the line a bunch too zakai seems like he is gonna be a pain in the butt uh once he gets inside like he's just gonna get fouled over and over again uh but what do you think about what you've seen uh, from Tennessee thus far? And do you see this being a March to a final four for this group? Uh, I mean, we only have like, you know, the exhibition against Gonzaga to go off of, but I think obviously it's really hard to temper expectations after you beat, you know, number two in the AP poll by 19 points. Mm-hmm. And if the game had been five more minutes, it could have been 30. Uh, Tennessee mm-hmm. was running away with it in the final 10 minutes of that game. Um But based on that, you know, like Tennessee had their little secret scrimmage against Michigan State where you're not allowed to reveal stuff. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like word has a way of getting out. And I think what's going to be interesting for fans and you know viewers is that this is going to be uh, both on paper and from what I have heard and seen a much different and much more exciting Tennessee offense. Like one mm-hmm. where, you know, they're not going to have those long scoring droughts they had a year ago. You have a real bucket getter in key. You have like a roster full of shooters and something that's like, it's a little sad because it's kind of addition by subtraction, but you don't have John Fulkerson clogging up the lineup. And let me preface it by saying this. You don't have the plethora of like double big, double non-shooter lineups that you would have had last year. Like Tennessee, barring, you know, like playing Plavsic and Awaka together, which doesn't really seem like it's going to happen ever. Uh, Tennessee really can't do double shooter, non-shooter lineups. Like Kamwa is a good three-point shooter who shoots from the mid-range as well. I do hit a couple threes in that preseason exhibition, and he clearly has the green light. So if like the guys who I've like, you know, pegged them of, you know, like you're going to play at least some minutes, you know, Tennessee's probably going to have a nine man rotation for a while, then whittle it down to eight. They're going to have a lot of shooters on the floor at all times. Like Euros really is the only guy who I know in my heart is not going to shoot a three. Uh, and that yeah, I don't really want to see what that looks like either. So I think that's one of those things just like best left uncovered. Like Meshack, I guess you could say is still technically a non-shooter but he is attempting them and that helps. Um, But no, I think the offense is going to be much improved from where it was at the start of last season. You're kind of going to see more of like the last two months of Tennessee from last year than you did the first two. And with that in mind, I do think this is, you know, a potential final four level team. They're going to enter the season in my head as no worse than one of the seven best teams in college basketball. Uh, Frankly, easily could be one of the, five best um we'd have to see some improvements on both sides of the ball for them to be in like you know potential like number one number two number three conversation but i don't know man this is a really exciting group it's a mix of like old talent really good experience and like you know five-star youth you know like up-and-coming guys that you really like you're really excited about And that is kind of the ideal mix that we've seen on national champions and final four teams, right? Like, you know, North Carolina last year or Baylor last year, you know, the winner of that game was probably going to go to the final four regardless. Baylor had the experience and had the five-star freshman, you know, Kansas, you know, maybe not as much on the five-star freshman side, but they had a couple of, you know, younger intriguing pieces. And then a lot of old guys we've seen, historically unless you have like that kentucky 2015 roster where it's just like you've accumulated all the five stars in the world seniority generally wins out come march and tennessee's a year older you're wiser you really didn't lose much like production wise i mean like your only real senior you lost was wilkerson right i mean like you lost a walk-on but that doesn't really count to me so tennessee returns a lot of their elders they're going to be, you know, more consistent in that regard. And I, I don't know, this has a potential, has the potential to be the best season Tennessee's ever had in program history. I'm excited. Um, and cautiously optimistic. I, I wonder, like, what's your gut tell you? True or false? Tennessee is at least number one in the rankings for one week this college basketball season. Uh, I don't, I'll go false. I think okay. the schedule is a little too difficult. But it's not like an obvious false. It's like an unlikely false mm. where, you know, 
when I look at it, it's like, okay, they play Arizona on the road in mid-December. Mm. You have that battle for Atlantis tournament where you could like lose to Kansas. But one, I wonder if they get like a sort of subconscious bump from voters after the Gonzaga affair, where it's mm. like, oh shoot, we underrank these guys. They shouldn't have been number 11. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but then again, it's an exhibition game, so you can't really say that's why you're doing it. But either way, two... Tennessee does have like a deceptively good run up here where it's like the only game that Ken Palm has them projected to lose in before February 18th is that Arizona game. They are favorites in their, in 25 of their first 26 games. I mean, that's kind of crazy. And so like if they come out of that at 23 and three, for example, they will have a real shot to be number one, depending on what happens anywhere else. But I don't know. I'd say unlikely, but yeah, I mean, like you, I'm really looking forward to the season. It's, an, it's the most exciting team on paper Barnes has had to date. It reminds me a lot of the 2018-19 squad. I don't know. It's It, it should be a good year. Uh, we'll end on this. Your stat of the week is what, sir? Uh, I wish I had an exciting one. I, okay, mm. I do actually have a good one. Um and it's not going to be a surprising one. So there's only one team Ken Palm has projected with a greater than 5% chance of going undefeated at conference play. Mm. Who is it? Wait, say that one more time. There's only one team in America. Ken Palm gives a greater than 5% chance of going undefeated in conference play. Oh, Gonzaga. It is Gonzaga. Do you know yeah. who number two is on this list? And who has the 5% shot? Mm. It's definitely not anyone in the Big Ten. It, I will spoil and say it's not a Power Six team. It's not a Power Six team. Yeah. Oh, uh, Houston. It's not Houston. It is Vermont. Oh. Uh, Vermont. He gives a five percent chance. There's only one game all season where you and I love the Catamounts. People forget we're all in on the Catamounts. Uh, freaking love John Becker. John Becker, former IT guy turned mm. basketball coach. <laughs> That's a fun fact I learned from interviewing him. He was in. IT administrator uh, while also being a tennis coach at one point. And then he eventually got into basketball and now is like one of the best mid-major coaches in America. Why do I feel like this is the same origin story Will's going to have uh, one day? <laughs> no chance. that You think people are going to listen to me? Anyway, so. they only have two listen games. To you. They only have two games all America East season mm-hmm. where they have less than a 75% chance of winning. That, I mean, they got a real shot to do it. 16-0, and 0, no matter your level of opponent, is really freaking good. Like, that's When was the great... last, what, what year was that run? Was it 05? What was the deep run where they beat Syracuse? That was 05 with yeah. uh, Tom Brennan as head mm-hmm. coach. Man, but they haven't been that far they, since, They have right? not won a tournament game since. They have been that's back wild. to the tournament five times, but have not won. Okay, I like it. So, but this could be the year, you never know. I, I love the idea. Will's just going to be on a Thursday night watching and uh, cutting up some Vermont tape of like, look at this. This is gorgeous. Nobody <laughs> wants this. And you know who doesn't want this in March? Kentucky. They don't want any any part of Vermont in the round of 64. Who wants that? Yeah. Um, there you go. Will, college basketball back next week. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Tennessee's back. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that because we talked about this before. Is like not the best opening week slate for the return of college basketball. They really Garbage. didn't pull out the stops um, <laughs> with this one. But 
soft launch. They're soft launching the return of college basketball. Yeah, they forgot to put salt in the pasta water on the mm. start of the season. And so, but it's night one. Like you just forget some stuff when you're a staffer. Um, yeah. Never happened to me. Anyway, uh, I will give like people three games to watch like okay. before we record next. So Monday night, Memphis at Vandy, 8 p.m. SEC Network Plus slash ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, get ready for everything to be in streaming. It's already annoying. But mm-hmm. that's like an interesting one because that's that's one that has like a, a weirdly outsized impact on how both teams go from there. Where it's like if Memphis loses, Memphis fans are going to be pissed. Mm. Um and like again, they could go to St. Louis after that, staring down a potential 0-2 start. Uh, whereas Vandy's, you know, they gave Stackhouse an extension, but he's 13 and 39 in SEC play. You got to win games at some point. This would be a great win for them to get. Uh, also, November 7, George Mason at Auburn. I don't know. Mm. Really interested to see Mason. Very interested to see Auburn. Uh, I watched some of their exhibition against Alabama Huntsville and they did not look very good offensively. They looked uh, really jumbled, especially from the perimeter, which if you recall watching Katie Johnson, Wendell Green shoot, not surprising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Thursday, November 10, my um, secret game of the week, Vermont at St. Mary's, mm-hmm. which is a 10 PM affair on uh, whatever the WCC network is. We're still doing research into that. Uh, the FBI is looking into it, but I mean, those are two like potential NCAA tournament teams. Like that's mm-hmm. a good game to watch. I like it. Um, stats by Will dot dot com. What uh, can the good folks do today to support you and your new newsletter endeavor, sir? Pay me your money already. Yes. Like, come on. Like, are you a baby? Like, <laughs> fork over thirty dollars. Like, I- I'm sorry, but the rumor is that you're a child if you haven't paid for the Substack yet. And if you're someone who's going to pay the Twitter verification badge and not pay for Will's newsletter, your priorities are completely out of whack. Yeah, uh, but uh, before I lose literally everybody who's turned off by me being rude, uh, I'm joking. You're not. Uh, Read the subset first. Everything from this preview week, which by the time this is posted, Mm -hmm. we'll have, I think, six posts and 19, 20,000 words, something like that, all written. Uh, all of that's free. So read mm. through that. If you like it, I would greatly appreciate it if you sign up for the site. I have not, no worries, plenty of good Substacks out there. But, you know, subscribe. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Uh, Stats by Will, always a pleasure. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for having me on. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.